0: Hello! Welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne, freshly returned to New York City after spending several days in Chicago for the National Restaurant Association show, which is always exhausting and it makes my feet hurt. But it's a really fun time to reconnect with everybody and to try a whole bunch of food. And uh, I, I always enjoy it even though i'm wiped out by the end um and my job is to walk the show floor and look look for food and beverage trends uh to be perfectly honest the nra show is not the most trend forward of uh shows but it's still a good way to get a pulse on on how uh, what we're eating is evolving and anyone who is at the show will notice that there were even more plant-based protein items on display this year than in the past few years when it seemed like there couldn't be any more plant-based proteins than there already are. Um, and I'll tell you, they're getting better. The bacon still doesn't taste like bacon unless it's made from pork, but it tastes okay. The chicken, if you put mayonnaise on it and put it on bread with some pickles, it tastes pretty much like a fried chicken sandwich if you haven't had a fried chicken sandwich in a little while. Again, the burgers also, put enough condiments on it, it's not bad. And even the the new uh, plant-based salmon and tuna, if you, you know, Wrap it up in a lot of things to make a sushi roll or a highly seasoned poke, it's fine. Uh, by the way, do you know why it's called plant based instead of vegan, which is uh, what that kind of food used to be called? It's because uh, marketers found that mentioning vegan was immediately a turnoff to most consumers. It was even more of a turnoff than diet, or low calorie, or light, or a lot of other things that uh, menu designers learned quite a while ago would cause sales to drop if you put it by uh, a menu item. That's changed a little bit in recent years as consumers are, are actually trying to pay more attention to their health and eat a little bit more nutritiously. Uh, But nonetheless, vegan still does not score well. Uh, And plant-based seems to resonate a bit. But if you compare the now perfectly adequate plant-based protein that's out there, and then you try some of the really delicious animal products that were on display at the show, some unbelievable... Hamoni ibérico, that's a Spanish pork, or wagyu beef, or just standard beef and chicken items that were delicious, some really great, uh, sustainably raised uh, seafood, and then also a lot of great vegetables and other plant products that are not being disguised as meat. There was a really good creamy tahini that was just ground up sesame. Wonderful. Ground up into into kind of a uh, but really a liquid, more more liquidy than a paste or some really tasty green chickpeas. You know, a lot a lot of vegetables that are just being vegetables. That is my takeaway from the National Restaurant Show that if you want to eat plant-based protein, you can, but the the best food is the food that's really just trying to be its best self. Speaking of trying to be your best self, my guest today is Ria Montez, the chef de cuisine of Estuary at the Conrad DC, and we discussed Philippine cuisine and the Kamayan meal that she makes, that literally means by hand, and it's uh, it's like a, a smorgasbord, a whole buffet of really delicious food and you sit around with your family and your friends and you eat it. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you learn more about that. Here is Ria Montez. So you are Ria Montez, right? Yes, I am. A Queens native, right? From, uh, yes?
1: Yes, from Forest Hills.
0: Yes, lovely. I live in Brooklyn, so... Oh, really?
1: I what part the, of Brooklyn?
0: Where you were. I am in Park Slope. Oh, nice. It's it's beautiful. I couldn't afford it, but my uh, landlord lives upstate, and I know how to be a good tenant, which is to shut up and pay your rent on time. So, <laughs>
1: really I cool. actually lived in the Upper East Side for a little bit, um, and... It was when they were putting in one of the subway lines, so there was like all this construction that was happening. So nobody wanted the like wanted the apartments that were like right by the by the uh, subway. Um, I so I lucked out; all the rent went all the way down, and that's how I got myself a little shoebox in the upper side. <laughs>
0: congratulations i made it (laughs) but you've been in dc for quite a while now right
1: yeah so i've been in dc for five and a half years
0: it's been quite
1: a long it's been quite a while you know i I really like the city it's um it reminds me of new york in a lot of ways and but it's also different from new york in a lot of ways uh which is but in good ways so i i really like it here
0: yeah, New York has a unique energy that I love, but when it's time to leave, it's time to leave.
1: Yeah, I think I think that when you grow up in New York, you either just get, you know, I mean, everyone gets used to that energy, right? Um, but some of us just kind of get a little tired from the hustle and bustle. And so we're like, all right, time to go.
0: And you worked in in Manhattan restaurants for quite a while, right? You were at Smith & Yes. Lester,
1: mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah, my first, my first job um, in New York, like right out of culinary school was Smith and Walensky um, in Midtown, which was just a beast of a steakhouse. And like my first job was to work saute during lunch, (laughs) lunch into dinner. So it was, there's a lot of come, come to Jesus moments (laughs) during the first couple of months of that.
0: So you, as I understand it from briefly reading your biography, you grew up kind of cooking in a big Filipino household in yeah. Forest Hills. Um, and like, I loved cooking when I was a kid and then I went to culinary school and I thought, oh no, I don't I don't want to be a chef. Like, it's because it's a completely different <laughs> thing cooking yeah. for a family than, than, you know, standing in saute for however many hours. <laughs> of, yeah, yeah. Um, angry um, business people having lunch.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I i mean this in the, like, in the nicest way possible. I think there's just a certain kind of crazy that it takes to work in a kitchen. Um, and I guess I found out that I am that certain kind of crazy. So <laughs> I congratulations. Have, yeah, congratulations. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, I stuck with it and I'm just really glad that I did because I really can't imagine myself doing anything else except, except
0: cooking. Great. Yeah. I thought maybe I wanted to cook and, and I, I think maybe the crazy is an adrenaline addiction, but maybe it's some other stuff. It might depend on the chef. Oh yeah. It's
1: just like a whole slew of questionable mental uh, problems. But, um, I mean, it's definitely, you definitely get used to the the pressure right there's some people who just thrive under pressure and if you are working in the kitchen that's what it is that you thrive under you you learn to love it and hate it and i think it's like a badge of honor when you learn to work in a controlled chaos you know like kitchens are never going to go exactly a day in the life in the kitchen is never going to go exactly the way you want it to Um, And so you just really have to learn to roll with the punches.
0: And then afterwards you probably feel great. You're like, I did it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, I think, um, in my younger years and being in the kitchen, I think I really definitely took pride in being able to dig myself out of the weeds and, um, being able to keep up with all the other, you know, well seasoned cooks on the line with me. So um, you know, I definitely, I definitely
0: took that um a stride for sure. That's cool. And so you've been chef to cuisine at Estuary for a little over a year, right? Yes. God, it's yeah, it's been a little over a year. Yep. You know, I saw your your headshot and I'm like, wait, I've written about her. And I went back and looked at my my chefs on the move column, which is about chefs getting new jobs. And I'm like, Oh, there she is.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's me. Hi. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, it's, it's been, it's been a really, really great year and a half. Um, You know, when I first took this job on uh, I did not think that I was going to be in the position that I am now. I think that there's a lot of CDCs um, out there that, are very much under, you know, in in the box and in like a in like some sort of constraints, right? Um, I really have been given free reign to do um, a lot of things uh, that I that I see fit. I get a lot of like freedom when it comes to creativity. Um, I haven't really thrown out any crazy ideas out there that. I've been said no to, so it's really nice to be able to have um, complete uh, ownership when it comes to the creativity. And you know, I definitely would not be able to do it without the people on my team. Um, Sean, who is you know my right hand man, uh, was this opening CDC for Rooster and Al, and I'm just very very lucky that when we did work together at No Good Buys, we quickly realized that we operate on the same like creative wavelength. So, you know, I'm just really lucky that I have a partner like that, that can help me put together um, our vision of what the
0: restaurant is like. And what is Sean's last name so we can give him credit? Uh, Sean Tu, T-E-W. Nice, so probably Chinese? No, he's not
1: he's not he's um he he is oh God, what is he He's gonna tell me if he hears this. He's like, I tell you this all the time. um he is Irish and uh Spaniard, so his grandmother was from Spain.
0: Nice. see, that's what I get for assuming you can't assume. <laughs>
1: I mean, look, I mean, he worked with um, he worked at Rooster now for such a long time. I think he cooks better Chinese food than I do, to be honest.
0: So well that's fair because you're not Chinese, you're Filipino. No, no. Um, and and so what is the food at Estuary like? Um, you
1: know, I I think we get asked that question a lot, and this this is like from a lot of personal talks with Sean, um, because I really do lean on him quite a lot when it's like, okay, what do we want this many to be like? Um, you know, I think that I pride myself in never really putting us in a box, right? Like, I don't ever say that my food is Filipino food. I don't ever say, um, because it, it's so many things at once. I draw from a lot of... Um, Places in my life that inspire me that just happens to land on a plate. Um, I think if there's anything that we ever really say what estuary food is, we really I we really do focus on locality and sustainability. Um, that is especially is very pre- um, evident with the farms that we choose to choose to work with. Um, Moon Valley Farm, you know. Uh, farmer Emma, she she like does all of this farming free of pesticides, and that means that that's a lot more work for her. You know, she she plants uh, she plants plants that um, have natural um, pesticide effects, so it's a lot more work for her. But she does this so that she doesn't kill the land that she's on, and she and that's why we love working with her because she makes a concerted effort to be sustainable. Um, so I think if if we are going to be talking about what kind of food estuary is, you know, we really do focus on locality and sustainability, um, and seasonality. You know, um, uh, the way I tend to cook is more vegetable forward and more seafood forward which is great because we're an estuary um so i think that's if we had to describe our food i think that's how i would describe it
0: yeah it's it has become a weird question asked what kind of food is it because it's all as the french say cuisine de chef it's whatever the chef wants to make
1: yeah yeah and i think i think when people like people start asking these questions of like well what kind of you know uh it's the same along the lines of like what inspires you for your dishes right and and I think what happens a lot is that people expect like this really long and deep meaning of what a dish is which is totally fine and you know some of the dishes that I have is is like that but then sometimes I'm like I just really love salt and pepper squid. So now we have salt and pepper soft shell craft, you know? And, and those, both those answers are fine and both those answers are good answers, right? Because I think what a lot of people, um, the real meaning behind what inspires you, the question of what inspires you for this dish is more about a question about you as a person and you as a chef. And really, what inspires
0: you, right? Right. Sure. <laughs> when you mentioned that you have done that, no crazy idea that you've thrown out there has, you know, been kicked back to you, can you think of some of those crazy things that you suggested? And everyone was like, yeah, cool, do that.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, this is really great. Um, so we do a dinner service here called a uh, dinner series called Miss and Plaza and we do it quarterly. And this was one of the first ideas that I wanted to do when I came here. Um, This was an idea that I had that I just really wanted to do a dinner series that highlighted all the other females in this industry that you don't usually, you don't usually like hear about, right? And And quite frankly, I was just tired of waiting for Women's History Month for someone to be like, oh, and here are the females that we have in the kitchen, right? Um, I was tired of that. So I wanted it to be a thing that we celebrated normally. Um, There are so many, you know, I think what happens a lot is that, you know, there are chefs within the industry who will partner with someone else, but it's like already an established chef, which is probably male, um, but it, we have so many females in this industry and, and there, isn't a, there isn't a lot of talk about that. And I don't just choose to work with female chefs, but I also work, uh, do dinner series with um, female psalms. The first one that we did was Eric was with Erica Parshu. Um, she uh, is the psalm at Bottles Wine Garden and um Foggy Bottom, Um, and you know, I also did it, I did a completely vegetarian menu um, that we only solely did produce from Moon Valley Farm to talk about Emma and her farm and her um, endeavors. Um, So that was one of the first ideas that I wanted to do, and luckily nobody said (laughs) no, um, because You know, I myself am a chef that nobody really knows. And so why do a dinner series with nobody, with a chef that nobody really knows to partner with other people that nobody really knows. Um, But, you know, here we are about a year into this dinner series and we've been doing really great with it. So I'm really happy with it. And, you know, our next installment um is June seventh, and it's with Julie Cortez. She's the CDC from Kaliwa. Um, so i'm I'm really excited and am very thankful that I didn't
0: get a
1: no from that,
0: yeah, though I have mixed feelings about those months. we We had Black History Month, of course, in February and Women's History Month in March. and I forget what April is, and now we're in Asian and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, next month is Pride, obviously, and like cool, recognize those people, but let's recognize everybody all year long. And yeah, exactly, exactly, like, which is the reason
1: why I was like, let's let's not wait for a specific month. Let's just do it.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. when I try to highlight everybody all the time.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly
0: you know, it's more fun to to not hear from the same people over and over and over again. I, I just came back from the nat- National Restaurant Association mm-hmm. show, and Danny Meyer was talking, and people were like, don't you want to hear Danny Meyer? And I'm like, I, I've heard Danny Meyer 10,000 times. <laughs> I love Danny yeah. Meyer. And he was great, and he was there with Pinky Cole, great big, you know, leading Black woman vegan chef, so great. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've I've heard from her plenty also, you know, now let's find all the other wonderful voices from right. you, who is also vegetable forward and loves the seafood. And, you know, I like eating meat myself also. I bet you do too. <laughs> you know,
1: Yeah, I, I definitely do too. I just tend to, I don't know. I think it's a, um, that's just the way I've always eaten. I've just always really loved seafood and vegetables, even when I was little,
0: I mean, uh, vegetables are great. Another thing that I saw at the National Restaurant Show was all the plant-based protein, and I'm like, okay, cool, but couldn't I just eat plants? Which I do, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you chose to be vegan, just
0: right. (laughs) Well, I've discussed that with my downstairs neighbors who don't want Mm -hmm. any of the plant-based protein. They, you know, they go out and they buy vegetables, and they're yeah. Yeah,
1: Um, I I think a lot of vegans feel like that's really like very processed,
0: and so they uh some of them tend to not go for it. Right. Um, So do you do many uh, things that specifically reflect your uh, Filipino heritage?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely um, I think like the running joke in the in the restaurant is, does this have fish sauce in it? Um, (laughs) Because it just like always tends to pop up in something somewhere. And um, but you know, I think yes, definitely. There's there's always going to be some aspect of Filipino cuisine um, in the way that I cook. Uh, right now, we have a uh, fried pusan, um, so it's fried chicken that we toss in um, Filipino adobo sauce. We do ours with black garlic and mushroom soy, but it's all the same flavor components. Um, what I tend to do is take um, a flavor or or an ingredient and kind of present it in a different way um, that's in just like a different fun kind of way that's not solely like your traditional Filipino um, Filipino dish.
0: Makes sense. And aren't aren't you also doing some sort of Kamayan feast or something like that? Yeah.
1: So we actually just finished that last week. It was really, really, it was really great. Um a lot of people ended up uh choosing that option. I actually was afraid that I was gonna run out of prep, but thank God we did. Um and it was great, you know, it was really nice to be able to talk about uh Kamayan and what that is. Um and like the traditional uh, way of eating food in the Philippines, um, which, and it's also just a really nice way to be able to eat communally, um, which is really what Filipino culture is about. You know, Food isn't just something that sustains you, food is something that also sustains your society and your family and the bonds that you have between each other.
0: That's cool. So what's it, what does it consist of? I, I, I've i only had it once at a Southeast Asian place in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Right now, Sunda. Um, but um, what, what is in your Kamayan feast?
1: So the Kamayan
0: uh, feast
1: that we had, we had crispy pork belly. Of course, we had to have pork. Um, and then we had a tamarind-cured grilled fish. Um, that we used uh, rockfish for. And then we also had uh, chicken in a sal. So in a sal means to barbecue. So uh, Filipino barbecue is very specific because it, it um uses annatto seeds for the for the coloring and it's very ginger and garlic forward. Um, so it's it's not like your typical there are still sweetness to it you know there's pineapple juice in it um there's still sweet aspects to it but it's very ginger and garlic forward um and then we also did steamed uh steamed shells so there are virginia middle neck clams and uh bay scallops from Chincoteague that we steamed and then we put it in a white adobo sauce Um, So we use like white soy sauce for that instead. And that's what made it like it was it was very good. It was very yummy. I was very happy with it.
0: And does it come out in a whole communal thing? Yeah. So it comes
1: out. It came out in this like large platter with banana leaves down. Um, And then you had uh, your grilled eggplant salad on the side, uh, crab fat fried rice. And then you also had fried okra, which That's I great. love, I love okra.
0: <laughs> yeah, okra's great. <clears throat> so I now forgot what my question, was. oh, adobo is an interesting thing because it's the same word as Mexican adobo and completely yeah. unrelated in terms Completely of
1: unrelated, yeah. Um, it's, it's really like Filipino cooking has, a lot of like simple ingredients, but what makes it good is like the, the quality of those ingredients and how long usually it takes um, to, to cook it. Uh, Filipino adobo is literally just soy sauce, garlic, bay leaf, black peppercorn, and uh, coconut vinegar. Uh, so you get like sweet, uh, you get salty, and then you get like the acidity from it. And whether it's like, whether it's pork or chicken, the secret is that you have to marinate it at least for one day um, to
0: really get those flavors in there. That's cool. <laughs> and so so what else do you have in mind uh, coming up? We're getting into summer, lots of delicious produce and wonderful fish. Already soft shell crab probably. Yes, so we already have soft
1: shell crab. I mean, you know, uh, I we just did a complete overhaul of the menu um, because you know s- spring you get such an like onset of of new produce. Um, Sean's gonna hate me, but probably in two weeks we'll start changing some stuff again um, to get up on to get up on a uh, you know summer things. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited about doing, <clears throat> um, I've been kind of on this dessert kick, I guess, um, which what is what Sean says. Um, there's a traditional Filipino dessert called maiz con yamo, which is really just like sweet corn, condensed milk and shaved ice. So I want to take those. Like components and kind of reimagine it in a different way. So in like the next week, we'll be doing some R and D for that kind of uh, that kind of dessert, uh, just kind of reimagined. Um, and then we've got a new crudo on the way. Uh, we've got a new grilled watermelon and squid salad on the way. Um, yeah, it's just like Sean and I always have just have this. New, ongoing list of like dishes and ideas um so we'll be we'll be in the kitchen as per usual in two weeks testing this stuff out
0: and and (laughs) how how are are your customers receptive to like anything you you throw out there are there things that they're like no i don't or is it honestly honestly
1: yes you know we um Sean wanted to do these crispy pig ears. Um, and I was like, yeah, I love crispy pig ears. And, uh, um, we decided to do it with nap chom. Um, and I remember turning to him and I was like, pig ears. Do you think it's just a little, is it a little too weird for like city center <laughs> in a Hilton hotel? Um, And now we just sell so much out of it. I don't think I can ever take it off the menu. So I'm just, I do have to say that I think a lot of people are open to trying new things now. Um, And even if you don't like it, as long as you try it, you know, I'm happy with it.
0: Right, totally. So you've been in DC for like five years now. Uh, Is there anything there that kind of, Surprises you that you didn't know about the city, probably a lot, but I don't know if you remember anymore because it's been five. Years. Mm. Surprises me.
1: Mm. You know, when I first moved to DC, I I definitely thought that it felt a little like a little cold. Um, but I think what surprised me a lot is the pockets of neighborhoods that have like real character to it. Um, that I really, really love. And so I think it's the neighborhoods that that surprise me a lot. Um, you know, Columbia Heights is just really great for food. Um, even pockets of Georgetown. when you get away from like the main um, the main part of it all uh, the main street, it's it's a really beautiful place with a lot of great restaurants. <laughs> Actually, you don't think that about Georgetown, but you know, um a lot
0: of great restaurants there so i think it's the neighborhoods that really surprised me that's cool it's, yeah. it's funny um that new yorkers have a reputation for being like kind of brusque and cold which is false this is a false reputation yes it is <laughs> um i i i think what happens is that one of the rudest thing you're i'm not a native new yorker i'm originally from colorado but oh, wow. and it seems like one of the rudest things you can do to a New Yorker is waste their time. So like if you need help, we will help you. But if not, why are you talking to me? You know? <laughs> which means if I'm walking down, you know, I'm in midtown and someone says, which way is Madison Avenue? I'm just gonna point. I'm not gonna say, yeah. Oh, Madison Avenue. That's fancy. What you gonna yeah. do? There go- you go. Right, exactly. Just there it is. And you know, if you're from a city that likes to chat a little bit more they might think oh my goodness that was very brusque and rude but no we're just trying to lubricate your life like yeah we're just we're we're all
1: busy we all appreciate each other's time that's all
0: <laughs> very friendly um so let's talk about some of your other food we talked about yours a little bit about salt and pepper squid obviously mm. coming on. Uh, what are some other dishes that are on the menu now that you're excited about Um, man,
1: I really love our tagliatelle. Um, I love making pasta. Um, so all our pastas are made in house. Um, and the tagliatelle that we have right now is a white peppercorn tagliatelle. Um, so the white peppercorn is actually in the dough, uh, and it's a vegetable pasta. So it's really whatever vegetables that we get from the from the farms. So right now I have asparagus and garlic scapes and mushrooms in it. Um, And then it just gets uh, white wine and garlic and a little like basil puree. And then it gets topped with uh, crumbled goat cheese. Mm. And it is my favorite dish right now, for sure. Yeah, Uh, the second, I think my second favorite dish Man, it's like saying, like, which kid is your favorite? Um, but my second favorite dish is um, the steamed shells. So, steamed shells. So, Virginia clams and then the bay scallops that I was talking about from Chinta tea. Um Then we do it in white wine, garlic, and then it gets mounted with furracake butter. So, we fold butter in, uh, fold furikake in with butter. And that's what the sauce gets finished with. And it's just very yummy and a lot of umami there. So I think that's like my second favorite one.
0: That sounds great. Uh, so why, why do you love making pasta? You know, uh, it's just
1: like, there's something very Zen about it. It's something very Zen about it and cooking, Cooking makes you utilize all of your senses. Um, And I feel like pasta really, really does that. Because it's, like, if you look at a pasta recipe, uh, every time I give the cooks, like, when I teach the cooks how to make pasta, I always say, okay, here's the recipe. But what's most important that you need to look for is how it feels what it looks like, Um, because pasta is just one of those things that like on some days, the flour needs more, more water or more eggs. Right. And it's, it's really being able to identify what it is really that you're looking for. Um, And I think that's why I probably really like making pasta. It's just very, it's very, very zen.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, And you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, that cooking requires all five senses. It's really the only art form that does that. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it, it's weird that so much of food now is absorbed by social media, which means they can only see it. That's it. Maybe hear it, but probably not. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. And all, you know, there are all these cooking shows, obviously, and competition shows. And yet, like, if I'm watching a fashion competition show i can say that's an ugly dress and my yeah. opinion as good as anybody else's but when it comes to food like they don't know there's no way of knowing. yeah i mean
1: food is such a, food is such a like a personal thing you know whenever someone i think that's why i'll i always get a little uh mixed feelings about like Awards for for food because it's it it's such a personal thing, right? Like maybe I don't like this certain thing, but there's probably five other people that like what I don't like. Um, and I think I think that food, in its sen- in in its sense, is like such an art form because it just kind of depends on who appreciates it, you know um that's so that's really funny that that you bring that up that food really is an art form and it it really does take all five of your senses which including your hearing which my cooks always are like what I'm like well you have to listen like when I put this meat down is it really sizzling or is it not because that means your pan's not hot enough like it takes it takes all those senses to to cook properly
0: yeah and when it comes to awards, they definitely have to be taken with a grain of salt. I mean, I've yeah. I've been a a judge for for various awards and I know that it is arbitrary. And like I do my best to be fair to everybody, but it just depends and it depends on what the other judges think and it's Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that like being being in the food industry whether you are working in a fast casual place or you are at a fine dining place um there's no doubt that people work very hard and put in a lot of time and effort and a lot of dedication and uh, a lot of personal life hours that is taken away that i don't think that you necessarily need to award one person over the other because everyone makes these sacrifices to be in, in the food industry and should all be awarded and
0: um, seen. The, these are important notes to remember as the James Beard Awards are coming up and a bunch. I mean, of- I
1: still have my favorites. Don't get me
0: wrong. Yes. <laughs> Well, and, and if the ones you like best win, they'll say, hooray, and you'll yeah. go out and probably drink with them or whatever. And if they don't win, they'll say, oh, well, and then, you know. Yeah, and, and then drink.
1: you'll go out and have a drink with them anyway.
0: Right. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and awards are self-perpetuating because even if you don't like them, if you win one, your publicist is going to tell everybody in the world, and, you know, you're going to hear about it. And so it makes it all look very important even though actually what's important is your well-being the well-being of your staff and how the restaurant is doing
1: exactly you know when um when i first got on here and everyone was like oh you know like what are your goals do you see a michelin do you what are is that what you're striving for and my answer has always been the same Uh, I just at the end of the day at the end of the day I want to cook food that I love that I'm proud of and most of all my team loves to cook as well Um, and it's my cook's opinions that matter to me more than you know uh, getting written up or having an article I mean being on a podcast is great too uh, don't get me wrong but you know what really matters to me is that my cooks love what they're cooking um, because that's the only way that it's going to be right every single
0: time it goes out. And that is a very lovely note on which to <laughs> conclude our podcast because we're about out thank of time anyway. Uh, thank you so much, Ria Montez, for hanging out with me. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. And I'm I'm going to try to get to DC soon so I can eat all your food. Yeah. Let me know. We'd love
1: to, we'd love to have you. I'll feed you. I promise.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much.